0: Cryptid creatures are being sighted all over the world. Some of these creatures have descriptions that'll have you scratching your head, and others have descriptions that'll make you downright pee your pants. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories that'll freak you out. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, Be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would be honored to see your story and potentially share it with everyone here in the swamp. Be sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you're new and get ready for some creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories that'll freak you out tonight hey everyone real quick i want to talk about chilling the awesome horror app i'm partnered with in case you haven't heard every week i have new stories released over on the chilling app there are now over 1,000 stories on chilling with a bunch of other youtube narrators and professionals to choose from on chilling you can do things you'll never be able to do on youtube choose from over a thousand individual stories that are sorted in a curated playlist or ones you can create yourself On Chilling, we give you so much flexibility to listen the way you want, this includes a chilling, game-changing feature, our ambient menu. You can change the background sounds to stories that fit your mood at will, without interrupting the story at all. There have been a number of awesome updates to Chilling, such as the ability to download stories for offline listening, and the new social feature. You can now discuss your favorite stories with other users and friends in the comment section. We are just getting started. Not only are we adding hours of new content every week, but original video content, is also in the works. Chilling is evolving into a must-have for all horror lovers. Please go start your free trial over on Chilling and check out my personal playlist there. This month, Chilling is also giving away another PS5 bundle. Just leave a review on Google Play or the App Store letting us know what you think. Click the link in the description for more details on how to enter. Hi, Swamp Dweller. I'm from Arizona, and I listen to your podcast while I'm working, doing my homework, and other things. I enjoy these stories. Since I'd hate to see this podcast go, I'd like to share one of my family's cryptid stories with you. Because of this scary encounter, I usually don't turn down others' experiences immediately and deem them crazy. This encounter happened in the mid-90s in the Sonoran Desert. My grandma, her husband, her daughter, her sister-in-law, and her brother and sister were returning from Yuma, heading to Phoenix. I forgot exactly why they were traveling. I'm tempted to say they were visiting family, but I could be wrong. One of the reasons I'm mentioning all of these people is to give this story the credibility it deserves. This was not an individual experience. Five people witnessed this. My grandfather was the only person in the car who didn't see this creature but that was because he was sitting in the shotgun seat and didn't get the right view or angle. It was close to midnight and my great-uncle Stephen was driving, not rushing home, just enjoying the silent drive through the desert like everybody else in the vehicle. This is where things got weird. My deaf great-aunt was looking out the car window into the darkness and then suddenly grabbed my grandma's arm. My grandma was confused when she saw her face, It looked like she had seen a ghost or something. My grandma looked too and saw a figure running alongside the vehicle. She says it must have been around 7 feet tall, but that wasn't the scariest feature. It was the creature's face. I mean, its eyes were stretched like Muto's eyes from the 2014 film Godzilla. But even scarier than that was the creature that smiled at them with crooked, sharp teeth as it glared evilly into the window. My great-uncle pressed the gas pedal, sending the car roaring 100 miles per hour down the street. The creature still ran alongside the vehicle, but failed to keep up after my uncle pushed past 100. My grandpa, who hadn't seen the animal, said, What the hell are you doing? My great-uncle turned to him. You didn't see that thing? Though this encounter rocked my family, they don't like to talk about it much. They didn't start talking about the creature until years after when one of them decided to bring it up. My great-uncle and one of the other family members drew up some sketches of the creature and compared them, revealing the graphics to be nearly identical, which was weird because they sent the pictures to each other and hadn't seen the person's picture before. My grandma drew up a sketch for me to see. It looked genuinely evil as the others had described it. Even though they don't like these types of movies, my family watched The Predator because the creature in the film resembled the beast they had seen that chilling night. My grandma remembers watching it and says that was what it looked like. I remember this sketch looking very similar as well. So, the question remains, what exactly was this creature? I have no idea. My family deemed it a chupacabra since it somewhat corresponds with a chupacabra's profile. But I saw some problems with it. Chupacabras have never been reported this large before in any part of the world, usually topping off at four or five feet tops and are known to have spikes on their back, unlike the creature my family encountered, which had somewhat of dreadlocks dangling on the back of its grotesque head. I think it's some evil spirit or something concerning Native American witchcraft, like skimwalkers or something of the like, but I do not know exactly what it is. Yet, this story sticks with me even until this day, reminding me of my distant Native American heritage. I want to relate a story that happened many years ago. My mother experienced this when she was a young girl. Note, she was the youngest of all eight children. I am now 59 years old, and this was told to me when I was 15 or 16 by my mother about strange happenings when she was 10 or 11. So, putting the time of this somewhere between 1932 and 1933 in Georgia around the Griffin-Milner area, somewhere south of Atlanta, Georgia, maybe 50 or 60 miles. I want to tell this story from her perspective, as she talked to me around 1978 or 1979. To frame the story and how the conversation came about, I will begin with my dad. We were watching TV. I think it was a show called In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. My mother, in most cases, scoffed at such shows and idea and hated the fact that I loved sci-fi and horror movies. Creature from the Black Lagoon is my favorite. My father and I were avid hunters and outdoorsmen. She was always scoffing or making some sort of grunt of disapproval when we watched those shows. She would say something funny like, does Bigfoot got your tongue? One night though, as we were making these jokes, she just sat there. She didn't say much for a minute before she started to tell us both a story. My dad, my brothers, and some of my dad's friends went hunting one night for raccoons and possums. When hunting at night, we always carried lanterns on poles from 12 to 15 feet long and had dogs accompany us. They all left just after supper, so all of us girls decided to sit on the house's front porch and enjoy the evening air. We sat there for a long time just gossiping about stuff, laughing and looking at the field across the road in front of the house towards the creek. Note, this property is 80-plus acres, with a highway running north and south, dividing it into two parts. One piece was about 10 or 12 acres. The house was on the west side of the road, and the rest of the land was on the east side, and was used for farming except for the small tree line with a creek bottom, about 8 or 10 acres behind the creek cleared to farm. My sister Virginia said, Oh look, it's Dad and the boys hunting. See the lanterns moving in the trees? We all looked, and after a few moments, Mother said, No, that couldn't be them, as they were at Mr. Williamson's, which was about eight miles away in the opposite direction. Nine people were hunting, five had lanterns, four were handling the dogs, and there were no people or dog sounds to be heard, and we counted eight lights. My mom and older sister noticed the light was not a yellowish lantern color, but a blue color and we all saw them moving from south to north and bobbing up and down, acting very strange. The light floated about in the trees for 20 to 30 minutes, still moving north, but no sounds could be heard, and even the bugs were quiet. After that, they started to move west, but not directly towards our house. My mom told everyone to get inside the house. She and my oldest sister, Irina, were going to run up the road north to our aunt and uncle's home, about a mile or a mile and a half away. I was young and scared and did not want my mom and sister to have to leave us home. My mom and sister got about 50 feet from the house. I went out the door running after them. My mom was mad but took me in tow, and off we went. The road had trees on both sides after clearing the field area and my aunt's house was about a small four-bedroom home sitting about 75 to 100 feet off the road. We lost sight of the light since we got into the trees, but on my mom's side, she thought the light looked like it was moving in my aunt's house's direction. When we got close enough to see my aunt's house, the lights were floating all around, and no light could be seen inside of it. The floating light looks about two times the size of a basketball, My mom ran to their house and banged on the door, but no one answered immediately. The light continued to float around the house but moved off a little bit. My sister and I are now across the road and hiding on the edge of the trees near the mailbox. I saw my mom talking to her sister but could not hear what was being said. My aunt closed her door and my mom walked back out to us, and we started to make our way back home. My mom was scared but trying not to show it. After we got 500 or 600 feet away from their house, we saw four of the lights were now following us. I got scared and started crying, and my mom told my oldest sister and me to run back to our house as fast as we could. We took off and soon realized our mom was not behind us once we got to the walkway to our house. We started to yell for her, and after what we thought was forever, she appeared from behind the trees, walking as fast as she could. She was older, and after eight kids, not as spry as she used to be. When she saw us standing in the road, she yelled at us to get in the house now. The floating lights were behind her by about ten feet and did not come past the trees after my mom went out of the tree line. After about five more minutes, my mom came inside. She locked the door tight, and then went to the back door and did the same. She told all of us to stay in the big room and be quiet. All of this occurred from about 8.30 to 10.30. When my mom returned to the house, our dad got back between 12.30 and 1.00 a.m., and we all screamed when he tried to open the door, and it had been bolted shut, something that didn't happen very often in the middle of nowhere Georgia in the 1930s. He was a little upset that the door was closed, and they caught no game that entire night because the woods seemed too quiet, and the dogs were acting spooked all night. My mom quickly took him to the kitchen and told him what was going on, as we were speaking to our brothers at the same time, but they were laughing at us. When my dad returned to the room, he he told them to shut up sharply and be quiet. He then took my four brothers and took them to the porch and told two to remain there and the two oldest to come with him. They went to my aunt's house back up the road. They were still all armed with shotguns and rifles. After about two hours, they came back to our house. He told everyone we needed to be very alert for the next several weeks and stay out of the woods unless one of the boys was with us with a gun, and only during the day. No one was to go out to the woods at nighttime at all until it was told that it was okay. He said that the appearance of the haint lights would mean that the woolly buggers would be about. I asked him what he meant by woolly buggers, and he replied, saying they were tall, hairy men. They were like people, but they weren't people. My dad and mom recalled a time in the early 1900s when the hate lights showed up in the area close to where we were currently living, and woolly buggers had been seen killing livestock and attempting to get into people's homes during the night for several weeks after. For several weeks, my dad and brothers took turns standing guard on the front porch at night, and it was not until just before Thanksgiving that they stopped doing this whole thing, that started in the spring. But a few weeks after the light appeared around their house up the road, my uncle died suddenly. Many people in the area blamed the haint lights for his death as he was just a little older than my dad at the time, so not much older than his late 40s. That's where she stopped her story. A few weeks later, I spoke with my aunt who confirmed my mom's story but seemed to get very upset with my mom for telling me. My grandmother on my mom's side had passed away before I was born, and my grandfather passed away when I was five, I don't remember him much. My father was two years younger than my mother, and he recalled when he was young and overheard his grandfather talk to other men about giant critters moving around in central and eastern Georgia, killing large livestock animals. He remembered the year was 1933, so this was way before my parents even knew each other, But the dates do match up. The property stayed in the family for many years after my grandparents' death until 2015. Though it was not farmed anymore after about 1959, it had grown back with woods, so many of the relatives and I hunt on it from time to time over the years, from about the early 70s until it was sold. I never saw anything strange there nor took much game from there, Still, a couple of my cousins called other family members and myself one year in the spring of turkey season in 2008 to ask if any of us had been walking through the property with blue colored lights at night as they were camping on the property at the time. I lived in Georgia at the time but had my land to hunt on and had not been on that land since 1990 as I lived in Florida from then till 2005 when I moved back to Georgia. After talking for several minutes to my cousins, I don't think anyone had hunted on that land after 2010, till it was sold. The people who bought it, I believe, abandoned their plan a year or two later to build a house on it after the camper they parked on it was destroyed by someone, or something. They sold it, and I think it has since been sold again, but oddly enough, I live in Georgia at the time, in the Grantville area. I was only four or five miles away from Belt Road where a Bigfoot-like creature has been seen from time to time. It is called the Belt Road Booger. I had many encounters with them as I lived far off the road, on 36 acres of land, which backed up to 3,000 plus acres of timberland. Again, I never saw anything crazy crazy, but I've had rocks and sticks thrown at my direction, and I've definitely heard footsteps stalking me while I hiked. Sorry for the long-winded story, but I guess to end this all off, my name is Chris, and my friends call me Big C as I am 6'4". I wanted to share this story from my mother because it became more relevant after hearing other people's stories that have been shared on this show. Even though this was not a first-hand story, I 100% believe this story that my mother told me. She was not the type of person to make up things and was not a great storyteller. Both of my parents were practical, grounded people. They thought I was crazy because I loved horror movies, ghost stories, and such things. I'm a teenage country boy from Louisiana. I never really wanted to have an encounter with a legendary monster before. But here's my story about just that. Now, so that you know... I don't live in a vast livestock area. Some people in my family that live fifteen minutes away own farm animals, but no one in my neighborhood owns animals other than dogs and cats. That's what makes me think this is a new type of cryptid, potentially. Or at least, I think so. About two years ago, my neighbor, who only lives a couple of hundred yards away from my family and me, told my dad that he had heard something screaming in the ditch in front of his house the night before. He nearly fainted when he went out there to see what it was. He said he saw a massive, dog-like creature that looked like a cross between a Great Dane and a coyote. It was eating what looked like to be a big, fat cat. It looked at him with piercing red eyes and showed all of its bloody teeth. Even though it never went to attack him, They stood there for a few minutes, just staring each other down. Finally, he ran back into the house and grabbed his shotgun. When he returned to the ditch, nothing was left but a pool of blood. Somehow, my family and I never heard any of it. It didn't seem so strange at first, just an exciting story to talk about around my dad's friends. His best friend told him countless Bigfoot stories I know are mostly just BS. But I love hearing them because they give me something to think about when I'm bored. Nobody thought anything about this chupacabra thing, until sometime around Thanksgiving 2021. I was driving my truck around my small town with my country music playing loud, my windows down, and wearing faded blue jeans and a cowboy hat and a flannel shirt. I was sipping a beer and waving to everyone I drove by, along with my three dogs in the back seat and my girlfriend in the passenger seat, It felt like a picture-perfect evening. Even when we drove by a few dead squirrels, skunks, raccoons, armadillos, possums, and coyotes, it felt somewhat normal to see roadkill and hear the dogs howl and bark at the smell of blood. But while we were driving on an old dirt road that we drove down all the time, something felt off. We didn't know what it was until we found a few dead dogs and cats with collars on the side of the road. They seemed recently bloody and half-eaten. I recognized some of them as neighborhood dogs and cats. The question was, why the hell are they so far from our neighborhood? Five miles from home. Suddenly, the dogs in the back seat got nervous. They were trying to hide on the floorboards. So that you know, these dogs don't get scared easily. A hound dog named Coulter, a pit bull named Peach, and a rat terrier named Jack. My girlfriend, nor have I, ever seen them act this way before. Then we suddenly heard a loud whoop, like a coyote. I think coyotes killed these poor things, my girlfriend said. That still doesn't explain how they got out here, almost all at once. One coyote couldn't hold but maybe one or two small cats or dogs, I told her. Then another loud whoop pierced the air, and another, and another. Soon, we heard howls. "'All right, let's get out of here,' I spoke. "'If coyotes are out here, we need to kill them so they don't come back for more pets,' my girlfriend told me. I agreed against my better judgment. We didn't have our guns, so I drove home to get them. We left the dogs at home, fearing these coyotes might carry them off. Our moms were against us going out coyote hunting at night.' But our dads felt like we were almost adults, so they encouraged us to go if we had our guns. After nearly an hour, our moms finally agreed, but my girl's big brother said he was coming with us anyway. I armed myself with a lever-action rifle, an Ivor Johnson .22 pistol, and a buck knife. My girlfriend got a 1911 pistol, and her brother brought a double-barrel shotgun that seemed like it was 100 years old. I drove us back out to where we found the dead animals. Keep in mind it was almost ten at night, so we got our flashlights and guns and were ready to shoot up some coyotes. But all the dead animals were gone. Nothing but small spots of blood remained. Coyotes must have carried them off. My girl's brother said quietly. At this point, the coward side of me started to show, even though I'm the most armed. So I got on my knees and began to pray. I was asking God to protect us. We searched the dark woods for a half an hour until we decided to give up and go home. Until we heard an ear-piercing howl and a dog-like figure began running at us. But it was so much bigger than a Great Dane. It looked like a damn bear. I yelled out, bear, and I shot my rifle. But I missed and it lunged at my girl. She got out of the way in time and put three rounds into the thing's side but it got up and started running away. Her brother shot at it with both shells in his shotgun and hit it in the foot. My girlfriend looked at me and asked, Did you see that thing? I said, Yeah, that was no coyote. It was so big, it had huge red eyes, just like your neighbor said, she spoke suddenly when we heard a loud howling. It sounded like sixteen or twenty of those things were out there. My girl's brother reloaded his gun and said, We better get the heck out of here so we got in my truck and we drove 60 miles an hour for who knows how long straight to get out of there on those dirt roads. Thankfully, we didn't run out of gas or wreck. I went fast for a long time because I didn't want those chupacabra things or whatever they were to follow us home. I don't know what those monsters were, but I believe they're some sort of chupacabra. As I mentioned, they seemed much more significant than chupacabras I've ever heard of, though. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. I don't know about you guys, but haint lights, Bigfoot-type creatures, chupacabras, and mass I don't know what I would do, but I would definitely run the opposite way and never look back. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that helps the channel grow. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or Spotify, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating over there, as it helps me grow on that end, and it's very much appreciated. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. It helps me pick better ones in the future, and it's nice to know which ones you're enjoying. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in The Swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download your favorite Swamp Duel Scary stories and listen to them no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you'd like to support The Swamp outside of that, why not check out the merch store, I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Why not come join us over on Twitch? We stream horror games. Currently, we're playing The Quarry. I'm live every Tuesday and Thursday nights for about four hours, sometimes even longer. Be sure to hit the link in the description to join us. Don't forget to join me as well over on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook so you don't miss behind-the-scenes and updates over there outside of the whole YouTube world. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without all of you. I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.